is the Totally Random Totally Random Sports Show. Here's your host, Sean Lincoln. Y'all ready for this? You take my money Well, I'm in need She a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke, broke. Now I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke. The first full week of the NHL, a CFL week defined by close games, and an exciting week in the NFL. We got lots to talk about this week. UFC 120 was on Saturday. We have UFC 121 with Brock Lesnar coming up this week. We'll preview that, as well as our normal rundown. Of everything that happened this week and all the most recent news. This is episode 6 of the Totally Random Sports Show, and we'll start as we usually do with CFL football. Welcome to episode 6 of the Totally Random Sports Show. I am Sean Lincoln. Uh, might as well start with Monday. These were the Thanksgiving Day games in the CFL, so last Monday. And uh, first we saw Montreal just wax Calgary. Not really surprising, as I predicted they would come out strong in that game. The exciting game from last week was, of course, the Bombers and Lions. This was such an interesting game to watch. Um... The Lions basically dominated the first three quarters. Um, the Bombers were booed off their own field almost the entire game. Uh, Alex Brink was getting the start for the Bombers. It was his first CFL start, and he was booed on just about every possession, and for good reason. I think he finished 4 for 19 for 62, somewhere in there. So he just had an awful, awful day. The crowd was chanting for Steven Giles the entire game. He finally came in about three quarters of the way through the third quarter, and it looked like it was too late. Um, it was about when the fourth quarter started. It was 32-11 Lions, and a large number of people had left uh, Canada Stadium, and there were a lot of empty seats. And that's when the Bombers decided to really make their charge. Started with a Terrence Edwards touchdown, and a good throw by Stephen Giles, and a great catch. And after that, we had a bit of a melee. Terrence Edwards got up after he made the catch, sort of got in the defensive back's face, and David Sanchez took uh, offense to that, and he came over and sort of gave Edwards a good shove, and then they both grabbed face masks and had that football fight we like to see. Not really many punches, but a lot of grabbing and stuff like that. So they went at it, and it ended up, Sanchez got the only couple penalties on the play. It looked good for the Bombers here. They had 35 yards, I think about 35 yards in penalties that they would get assessed on the kickoff. So they went, kicked the extra point, and on the extra point, the BC Lions got another rough play penalty for a headbutt. So the Bombers got 50 yards on their kickoff and ended up kicking off from the 35, which was one of the strangest things I ever saw. They kicked a single, which put them within 10. Then, uh, with about just over a minute left, Stephen Giles found Greg Carr in the end zone to put them within three. And they failed the onside kick, but the defense came up with a huge stand. And 
they got the ball back with about 30 seconds left BC punts and Javon Johnson returns it about 50 yards all the way to the BC around their 40 I'm going to say and put them in instant field position Winnipeg had time to run I think one or two plays and then Justin Polardi kicked the game tying field goal from just outside 40 yards so that sent the game into overtime Uh, Winnipeg won the toss and BC took the ball of took possession of the ball the first time and got a field goal with their possession. Uh, the crowd really wreaked havoc with the BC offense, causing three penalties, uh, two procedure calls, and then a uh, time count violation. I put all those on the crowd. The procedure, you know, it's hard for those linemen far away from the ball. They can't really see when the ball is snapped. they got to go all on snap count. And if they can't hear the snap count... Which is what happened. That's that place was just rocking. Even the CFL crew, or even the CFL and TSN crew, was talking about how loud they were. So they do that. Uh, Winnipeg gets the ball back, needing at least three to tie and a touchdown to win. On the the first play, they take a procedure penalty. Then after that, they take they get sacked. And this looks bad. Winnipeg's out near the fifty. It would be you know second and really long. And there's a collective sort of gasp. The crowd is once again worried. And number 96 on BC, Mitchell, takes a disqualification rough play penalty. 20 yards gives Winnipeg the first down, new life. And that it was just unbelievable penalty that really cost their team the game. And it became a theme in that game. BC just took way too many penalties. But uh, it looked like one of the bomber linemen fell into his legs, and he took exception to that. He thought, I guess, he thought it was on purpose. It didn't look on purpose when you see the replay. But he had his legs taken out, and he responded with a punch to the groin. So that really cost BC. Uh, Winnipeg got the first down and ended up kicking a field goal. Uh, and then it went to the next possession where Winnipeg had to start with the ball. They. Re- Rush the ball in pretty good. Uh, Evanson Bernard getting his first start of the year. Got the touchdown. They missed the two. Were screaming for a pass interference call on it, but didn't get it. Missed the two, and the ball went back to BC, where Casey Printers ended up throwing a pick six to Dion Beasley, and that house just exploded at Canadiens. It was so loud. But the Bombers come out of there with a 47-35 win. And then really the interesting stuff starts. Casey Printers uh, tosses his helmet, first of all, and proceeded to go over to O'Neal Wilson, who was the intended receiver on that uh, interception touchdown, and just screaming at him. And, like, you could see it from the crowd, and they showed it on SportsCenter. So... Just screaming at him, and apparently, as they went into the locker room, this continued, and he was yelling at people, and that led to his eventual release this week. The BC Lions released Casey Printers. They said, you know, it was, this wasn't the cause, but it definitely played a factor in it. And 
you know, just not smart by printers who, while trying to get a job this year, was saying how much of a different teammate he is. He's a much better teammate than he was back in the past. And, you know, this just shows he really wasn't. Um, yelling at your own guys is never a good thing, but when you're doing it on the field in front of cameras, you can't do that at all. So he was gone, and that was the end of that. Um, later in the week, Noel Prefontaine. Uh, Edmonton Eskimos kicker was traded to the back to the Toronto Argonauts. He'll return there where he left with some ill will, but he came back pretty happy. Um, un- really unhappy with the Edmonton organization. Uh, really bitter. Wasn't happy that he got traded and wasn't happy with the way he got treated there. So, you know, Noel Prefontaine's a good kicker, and I'm sure he won't have any trouble back in Toronto. Um, speaking of Toronto, they had some trouble this week with the Ticats. This is uh, moving now to this week's CFL action. And uh, the Ticats beat the Argos 30-3. They will clinch a playoff spot. Uh, Toronto did later this week. But this was just a good old-fashioned beating. Toronto couldn't get anything going. And Hamilton just looked great in this game. Uh, the next game this week was... BC Edmonton and BC for the second time in less than a week loses in overtime uh, final score is 31-28 and this was just a great game, it was back and forth but you gotta feel bad for BC this game started a little odd with some controversy um, it was delayed about 5-10 minutes and they could be. you could see the refs they were talking, I guess, to the control room in Toronto and talking to uh, Lions head coach Wally Buono. And it ended up that kicker Paul McCallum was not placed on the 42-man roster for the day and couldn't play. So McCallum was out there in his equipment and was eventually told to take all of his equipment off. Uh, this led to Paris Jackson taking the first punt. And then BC brought Sean White in from the locker room. That's uh, BC's backup kicker. He played last week. He didn't even have his own equipment with him at the field. BC practices at another venue, so they didn't have their equipment there. He had to wear Paul McCallum's shoulder pads. And he ended up playing the game for BC. What I don't understand is why is Sean White on the 42-man roster? If he wasn't even dressed, and Paul McCallum wasn't. So... Someone in BC made a mistake, but whatever. Um, Sean White played fine. Uh, didn't hurt them too bad. Missed a couple, missed a kick, I think, but nothing crazy. A um, couple notes. Uh, Fred Stamps passed the 1,000-yard receiving mark. He's been really good this year. Uh, besides for the first couple weeks, he had some drop balls, but he's been a solid receiver for Edmonton. And speaking of receivers, Derek Armstrong, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber and former Edmonton Eskimo, made his return to the CFL for BC. Uh, Looked good. Oh, sorry. For Edmonton. Former BC. Um, This game seemed to be marred by injuries. Um, Within eight minutes... Within eight minutes, David Sanchez, BC Lions cornerback, broke his or dislocated his elbow, and J.R. LaRose, also BC Lions, had broke his leg. 
So two guys out for the rest of the year within the very start of the game. And this seemed to continue all game with injuries. It was really hard. It was hard to watch almost. Almost every, you know, second or third play, there was another player hurt. So it was weird to see. Um, this Edmonton looked like they were in control here, up 10. And BC did the same thing that Winnipeg did against them last week. Scored a late touchdown to put it within three. Uh, defensive stand, got the ball back, and kicked a field goal with no time left to tie the game. Um... And then we went to overtime. Ricky Ray runs in the winning touchdown for Edmonton. Uh, BC got a field goal in the first possession, and Ricky Ray beat him. Ricky Ray all game was running this ball. He had a career high. He had over 140 yards rushing. Um, For a guy you never see rushing, he was pretty darn good at it. And he ran around this BC team all game. And they just could never figure it out um moving on to Winnipeg Montreal and you know same old story for Winnipeg Al's win 22-19 it's Winnipeg's 7th loss by under 4 points this year uh, Montreal clinches first place and this almost looked like a complete repeat of the BC game earlier in the week you know they were down down 10 with about two minutes left. They score with a minute and a half. Get the two points. They're down 11, sorry. Get the two points to put it within three. Defense makes a stand. They get the ball back. They had it on about the Alouettes 50. So, you know, only 10 yards out. Still plenty of time. And Terrence Jeffers-Harris fumbles. Chip Cox just wrestled it away from him and took the ball. Montreal would go on to win. You know, same old, same old for Winnipeg. It's getting to be... You know, same story, different chapter. Every week is these close losses. They can't pull it out. Uh, this week, you really can't say anything bad about Stephen Giles. You know, he, he made he had a great first quarter. Uh, it was, I think, 6 for 6 for over 100 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter. And then second and third quarter, Bomber offense really shut down and didn't get it going again until the f- fourth. But, you know, he was right there with the last couple minutes going for it. And he didn't make the mistake like he's been criticized for this year making in those last minutes. Uh, he was solid. He made a good. He threw a good ball to Terrence Jeffers Harris, and Jeffers Harris just got stripped. So all the credit to Chip Cox. And Montreal just does what they always do. Uh, ben Cahoon became the leading all-time Canadian receiver. So good for him. This guy just seems to grab a record every week. But uh, been a great. Been a great receiver for Montreal all these years. And, you know, no t- no signs of stopping. He's got probably a few more years in him. And uh, just quickly, the last game of the week was uh, Calgary at Saskatchewan. Calgary wins 34-26. Uh, not a lot going on in this game. Pretty tightly played. Uh, big play was a Corey Mace 60-yard fumble return for Calgary, and that really put it out of reach for them. So they take over top spot in the West. And uh, that's your playoff picture mostly. Calgary's in first, followed by Saskatchewan. And then BC and Edmonton are tied at 5-10. and 10. Winnipeg's at 4-11. and 11. Technically could still catch them, but, you know, wouldn't, betting man wouldn't choose that. 
for the crossover. They have to be a game ahead. They can't just be tied. They have to be a game ahead, so doesn't look likely. And uh, the East is pretty much set. Toronto clinched a playoff spot with Winnipeg's loss, so all three of those spots are clinched. It's just a matter to see who will have that division game, the home game. Uh, Hamilton or Toronto. So we'll check on that. But enough CFL. Let's move on to NFL. So another fun week in the NFL. Lots of pretty good games out there. Lots of interesting stories. Uh, get started with Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh and Cleveland. <coughs> ben Roethlisberger was making his return to a Pittsburgh team who did very well without him. But uh, even better with them as they come out of this game with a 28-10 win. Roethlisberger looked great. Uh, three touchdowns. Uh, passed for 257 yards. Threw one interception, but he just looked really good out there. Uh, looks like he hasn't missed a day, so Pittsburgh's really a team to be reckoned with. Philadelphia without Michael Vick, again, pl- playing against Atlanta, and uh, they would come out of here with a 31-17 win. Uh, Kevin Cobb finally made a statement, played great, threw for 326 and three touchdowns. Uh, looked like the quarterback that Andy Reid expected him to be all this time. So, you know, maybe creating a controversy when Vic comes back. You never know. It's just a sort of a revolving door for that Philadelphia team of who's playing quarterback. Um, big loss, though, for Philadelphia. Deshaun Jackson just absolutely got leveled early in the fourth, first, early in the second quarter. And uh, he left the game, would not return. He was later diagnosed with a concussion. So, if he's gone for a while, this really hurts Philadelphia's offense. That's by far their best receiver. And uh, not good to see that go. Miami and Green Bay had a real barn burner going. Miami kicks a field goal in overtime and wins 23-20. to Rodgers did play for Green Bay. Uh, played decently. Uh, a lot of speculation coming into this week as he suffered a concussion last week. If he was going to play or not, he did. The Packers have really had some injury problems. Uh, Their best defensive player, Clay Matthews, Michael Finley, the tight end. They have a lot of good players out. At the start of this week, the Green Bay Packers had 20 different players on injured reserve. You know, they are having some trouble in that department. Yeah, hope they can find some, some guys to carry the load because they were supposed to be a great team this year. And with all these injuries, it's really hurting them. Uh, Miami gets a win. Good for them. They bounce back after the huge loss to New England last week. But uh, unfortunately, the schedule doesn't get any easier. They have Pittsburgh next week. So really tough schedule for Miami. Uh, Houston beats Kansas City 35-31. Kansas City with two losses in a row now after starting 4-0. They look good in this game, though. Uh, Houston just looked a little bit better. Andre Johnson caught a TD pass with 28 seconds left to give them the win. He's one of the better receivers in the league. Probably the best. Andre Johnson is just... He is huge, and he's unbelievably athletic. Just a great, great player. New England beats Baltimore 23-20. to Life after Moss begins for New England uh, pretty decently with the win uh, over a tough team. Scoring 23 points on Baltimore, no easy task. Tom Brady threw for 292 yards and a touchdown, also threw for two picks. But they, 
he looked all right without Moss, and they still have Wes Welker, who I think will carry a bigger load. They are a good team. Shouldn't be too worried about them losing Moss. The New York Jets beat Denver 24-20. Tim Tebow got his first career rushing TD for Denver early on, but yeah, he just came in for the play. Kyle Orton was only starting and uh, didn't look great. Fumbled with about 30 seconds left, 30 seconds on the clock, and uh, New York came out on top again. Their defense is great, but uh, Denver seemed to hurt themselves a lot more in this game than anything else. And San Francisco gets their first win of the year over Oakland, a 17-9 win. As much as San Francisco's looked awful this year, I still like them in that division. They're in a terrible division, and if they can make a run here, they could be good. Uh, Alex Smith and Frank Gore. You know, Frank Gore has to carry a lot of that load, and as long as Alex Smith doesn't make too many mistakes, I think this is a decent team offensively. So we'll see how, what happens there. Uh, rest of the games quickly. Seattle beats Chicago 23-20. Uh, Giants over Lions, 28-20. The Saints just run over Tampa Bay, 31-6, showing that they can still play without their running backs. They don't need them. And uh, St. Louis upsets San Diego, 20-17. And uh, the game I want to end with here was Minnesota-Dallas. It was a tight game all the way through. Minnesota squeaked out on top, 24-21. Tony Romo. Was did not have his best game. Threw two interceptions, both costly. Uh, threw a few touchdown passes, though. Uh, threw two to Roy Williams, who looked really good. He's looked good the last few weeks, really finding his spot with this Dallas offense. But, uh, you know, they couldn't pull out enough. Des Bryant also got his first career TD. A nice catch in the back of the end zone. But uh, Brett Favre, who uh, I guess we'll talk about all of his problems now. Uh Threw for 118 yards and a touchdown, so he didn't have to do too much today, but uh, he got the job done. Now, I got some feedback this week saying, you know, you can't just ignore his issues, so I'll go into it. Um, apparently, when he was with the New York Jets, he was uh, leaving voicemails on Jen Sturger, the Jets' sideline reporter's uh, phone, and then eventually sent a picture or allegedly, I guess, sent a picture of his nether regions. I guess, you know, it could be a distraction. Uh, the C- or the NFL, sorry, is looking into it for possible sexual uh, or uh, sexual harassment claims. Possible other people who have come out with these same allegations against Brett Favre. So, not good for Brett Favre, who had, has had such a good career. He is married with children as well, so... You know, this is something you never like to see. And I can see your point out it might be a distraction. It, uh, it's not good. That's for sure. And there's no way it helps the team. But we'll see if it's a distraction. Brett Favre's, as much as, you know, off the field, he may have had some troubles. On the field, he's always been a professional. And hopefully they he can get by this. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what the NFL does. You'll see if uh, they really believe in this new discipline stuff that Roger Goodell's been putting in, and if they uh, would possibly suspend him if all these allegations end up true, it'd be a very interesting thing that could happen, uh, breaking up that consecutive game started streak versus, you know, just sort of sweeping it under the rug. It'll be interesting to see. 
But uh, that's all I really got for NFL. I'll move on here to the NHL. Lots of news in the NHL this week. Um, first thing I wanted to get to, Kirk Malpe has retired after being you know, put on waivers last week and sent down to the AHL. He has retired. Um, I've always been a big Kirk Malpe fan. It's going to be tough to see him go. But uh, he's had a great career with Detroit, few cups, and uh, you know, wish him the best in his future endeavors. And then um, the KHL, the Continental League in Russia, and the NHL have finally come to an agreement this year to honor each other's contracts. So you'll see no more guys going over in mid-contract like we saw with Alexander Radulov, who just sort of left his contract in Nashville and went and played, signed a contract in the KHL and played there. Uh, we won't be seeing that anymore. If you have a contract in one, you're playing in one until you're done. So that's good to see. It's You never want to see two leagues you know, poaching players. A big story this week was the New Jersey Devils, and their cap problems have been well documented. And it came to a head this week with uh, Brian Rolston injured and a couple other players. New Jersey could only dress 15 players. Um, this is the second time they've failed to uh, ice the proper NHL regulation-sized 18-player roster. Um, the, the They played with 15 against Pittsburgh, a game they lost 3-1. And, um, you know, NHL usually only allows you, or usually puts, says you have to skate 18. They do have a clause if um, there's an emergency that they can let them you know, play with less. I don't know how cap issues are an emergency in the NHL, and I think something has to be looked into here because it's not right that they can just dress 15. It's not smart, first of all. You're going to have more injuries with these guys playing ridiculous time. And, you know, there's a lot of young guys looking to get a shot that should be able to get up in this role, but literally by thousands of dollars, they made it under the cap. Like, not even an average salary for a year. They... Thousands. And uh, just doesn't... Not smart by New Jersey. And they're going to have to you do something. There's been a lot of rumors about a possible trade with the Colorado Avalanche, actually. Uh, Jamie Langenruder been talked about being up on the block. I don't see it happening. Colorado, you know, with the real big youth movement they've had the last few years. But New Jersey has to do something drastic. So... Wouldn't can't be surprised if anything here. Um, next thing, a few disciplinary things to talk about here. Uh, Ottawa Senators forward Nick Felino was fined by the NHL for his hit on Carolina's Patrick Dwyer uh, in a Thursday game in which Ottawa won in overtime over the Hurricanes. Um, this was for one of those new, you know, blindsided hits to the head. Uh, when I watched it, I really didn't think it was a hit to the head. Was it blindside? Maybe, but it looked like he stayed on the shoulder to me, which I don't think is illegal. Uh, it looked like a clean hit, but he was fined. I'm glad that he wasn't given a penalty or kicked out of the game. Uh, I'm sure Ottawa's fine, glad too, as they scored with a uh, he inter- he sorry he assisted on the game-winning goal. So you know, good to have him there for that, but. I don't know, I kind of I disagree with the fine, but I'm sure he just got off with a fine. He's not too mad about it. Um, 
Sean Avery, uh, New York Rangers, repeat offender for everything. I don't know if you, anyone see, saw this slash on Mike Komisarek. This was just a nasty slash. There was a scrum, and Avery and Komisarek were sort of far away from the play. Avery first chopped him in the side of the leg, and then went all the way around his head with his stick, and chopped him in the back of the leg again. Komisarek went down. Avery did not get a penalty, shockingly, but I guess nobody saw it. And uh, I haven't heard about disciplinary measures from the NHL. I'm sure there's some coming, if not already put in place. But this was just two wicked slashes. And, you know, I like Sean Avery. I like to watch him play. I think it's fun. But, jeez, he does stupid stuff like that. And it's hard to it's hard to watch him do this stuff just over and over again. He's just not a smart guy. And he's a good hockey player if he focused on hockey. But just never can. Um, staying with New York, Chris Drury uh, broke his finger against Toronto. He will be out six weeks. I'll just jump into that quickly. Uh, last last uh, couple things here. Sabres forward Patrick Coletta was fined by the NHL for his attempted headbutt on uh, Devils forward Travis Zajac Wednesday. Uh, this was kind of funny because he missed. And Zajac just sort of gave him a one-arm shove and Coletta went flying. Just sort of a funny play. But uh, headbutting, just stupid. Hey, come on, drop your gloves. If you got a headbutt, you probably shouldn't be out there trying to be tough at all. That's it for that. I'd be burned if I didn't mention the Leafs 4-0 start. Surprising. I never thought I would have seen these Toronto Maple Leafs at 4-0. Uh, they did look like they made a lot of huge changes over the offseason that made them a better team. But, wow, have they. Uh, Clark MacArthur has been their offensive star so far. He's uh I think he's got four goals in the four games and he just he looks good. But uh Phil Kessel is running their offense as expected. Phil Kessel looks great out there. He's a highly skilled player and you know, he really has helped this team a lot with uh the additions of JS Jaguar and Dion Phaneuf in the back end. You know the Leafs are gonna make a run at this one, maybe end that playoff drought. So I don't think they can keep up. You know, obviously I don't think they're going to go 82-0, but I don't think they can keep up, you know, being one of the better teams. But I think middle of the pack, you know, see them get in the playoffs, fourth, fifth place. So uh, good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the last story I talk about, I am based in Winnipeg, so I can't skip over this story. Uh, this is coming from the Globe and Mail. Chicago businessman Matthew Holzer has an agreement in principle with the city of Glendale to help buy the Phoenix Coyotes and keep them there. Bad news for all Winnipeg fans hoping for a Jets team. But hope has not lost, as there are a few things coming up here. Um, Reports say that Holzer wants just a two-year contract instead of the NHL required five. Uh, thinking he'd probably move the team after two years. And also, he wants a huge discount on the $165 million purchase price that the NHL has put on here. He is not willing to pay that much. The NHL has already received a bid from Winnipeg-based True North Company for at least 165 So, you know, we have put in the money. But yeah, this sale, it looks like it could happen, but we've had these before, so never count until it's done. Um, the Coyotes do have until the 31st to sell this team and uh, 
put up the money that they've lost. So if not, you never know what you might be seeing in Winnipeg next year. Uh, you know, a lot of people say it's a pipe dream. A lot of people say it's reality. So I'm sure eventually they'll get a team just like Quebec City. I think both places sort of deserve one. But we'll see when that happens. Uh, moving on to the NBA, just a couple quick uh, stories. Uh, another one of the big three, LeBron James, gets injured this week. So we're left with the big one here. and We have Chris Bosh is all that's left. Uh, LeBron James, again, supposed to be back in time for the regular season. Uh, he was injured playing against uh, Moscow, a Russian team. Heat won easily without playing. Most of their stars, even Bosch, didn't play that long. So that season's coming up quickly. And for Heat fans, you want that team to get healthy because it'll be fun to watch. And uh, a, another interesting story out of Washington is Gilbert Arenas uh, has faked an injury this week. So uh, rookie Nick Young, who has was disappointed at the amount of court time he's had, could play. So Gilbert Arenas fakes an injury so this guy can start, which, you know, when you think about it, it's kind of a nice gesture by Gilbert Arenas, but it kind of loses all of its touch once he starts telling people and it gets out. He is fined by the team, and Gilbert Arenas has just become a mess after being one of the premier players in the league for a long time. Just not smart by him. Um... He had all the trouble last year with the gun charges and everything, and now he's getting into this stuff. Uh, Not good for Gilbert Arenas. But uh, that's all for NBA. Let's move on to UFC. So UFC 120 came at us this week from London, England. This was free on Spike TV. Um, started off with a bout in between uh, Cyril Diabate and Alexander Gustafsson. Uh, Gustafsson dominated this fight, finished with a rear naked choke in the second round. Czech Congo and Travis Brown fought. Uh, in the second round here, Congo was deducted a point for holding on to Brown's shorts. Uh, He was warned multiple times. It was a good call to deduct the point. But even after the point was conducted, he continued. I thought he was going to lose another point. He didn't. But that one point ended up being enough as this fight ended in a 28-28 draw. Uh, First draw I've actually seen live in UFC, but uh, not smart by Czech Congo. And he just looked like Travis Brown was overwhelming him. He grabbed the shorts. So uh, cost him a win there. Uh, John Hathaway versus Mike Pyle. And this is when the crowd in London really got into it. Uh, Hathaway was the hometown boy. And uh, this crowd just got loud from this point in. But uh, fortunately they were disappointed here as Pyle dominated. uh, Wins a unanimous decision 30-27. In the second round here, Pyle had Hathaway in a crucifix position. Which is basically just locking up both arms. And was just pounding on his face for two, three minutes. It was ugly. Ugly to watch, but Hathaway fought through it and uh, made it out of the round. I don't know if that was smart, because he just got beaten up again in the third round. But showing he has got some heart. Um, Paul Sass versus Mark Holst, who was Canadian. But uh, 
was uh, shut up pretty good by Sass. Uh, he wins with a he wins with a triangle that he went for all around. Uh, after that, we saw an interview with Kane Velasquez promoting the championship fight next week. Neither Kane or Brock really had anything interesting to say in their interviews. Uh, they don't dislike each other, so it's. It's one of these, it's just a fight number one contender against champion, and it's hard to sort of build a hatred between the two guys, which is what really makes these interesting sometimes. But uh, with Brock fighting, I don't think it's going to be an issue. We'll talk more about that fight later. Uh, the next fight on this card was Dan Hardy and Carlos Condit. Condit just destroyed Hardy with a huge left hook KO for the knockout at 427 around one. <laughs> a funny thing, uh, in a post-fight interview, Rogan asked Hardy, what went wrong here tonight? And Hardy told him, well, I got punched in the face. <laughs> so, it was a huge knockout, and uh, Carlos Condit really looked good. Um, and then the main event was uh, Michael Bisping, another hometown guy, against Akiyama. And uh, Bisping won a 30-27 unanimous decision. Uh, pretty good fight, pretty back and forth. Both men were in trouble at certain times, and they fought through it. It was a great fight. Uh, good for best being a hometown guy. Get the get the only hometown win on the card, and uh, not a bad card. Glad it was free. Wouldn't have paid money to see this. So good fight, though. Uh, looking ahead, we have UFC 21 coming up. Uh, headlined by Brock Lesnar and Cain Velasquez. This is you know another great heavyweight match. Um, Cain Velasquez a little bit smaller, but a lot. Lot stronger, way supposed to have the best cardio in the game today. So uh, a lot of people really see this as a threat to Brock's belt, and um, it's going to be a real interesting fight. I wouldn't hazard a guess at who's going to win. Well, I am going to hazard a guess, but I really don't have any idea here. I think Brock is just too big though. If Brock can take down Cain Velasquez, he's beaten guys who are better on the ground than him just by laying on them and sort of pummeling them. I look for that again, but if this stays on the feet, Kane Velasquez might have the win here. So this is going to be a great fight next week, uh, live on pay-per-view, check it out. I can't wait to see this fight. Um, next, uh, other fights on that card include uh, Tito Ortiz making his, debut, er, making his return against uh, Matt Hamill. Of course, they were on the Ortiz coach Hamill on the season of the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, this will be a huge test. So, you know, we'll see about that. Also, you have Martin Katman against Jake Shields, who's making his UFC debut. He was unbeatable in Strike Force, and this will be a real, real interesting fight. Uh, I look for Shields to come out and dominate, and he's going to be a huge force in that division. You know, if he wins two or three fights instantly, he's in title contention. Going to be interesting to see that. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is f- uh, MLB playoffs here. Uh, Philadelphia wins 6-1 last night. They even that series. Royals won't look great last night. Uh, San Francisco got by uh, Halliday in the first game and uh, hit him around a little bit which is, you know, probably gives them at least a little bit of confidence that they can get through uh, that they can get through the Phillies pitching staff, so not, not a good thing if you're Philadelphia, but they still have you know, Hamels and then you'll probably see Halliday again in this series, so it'll be interesting to see 
Also, we'll have uh, Tim Lincecum on the mound for the Giants in Game 3. So, Lincecum Hamels is going to be a great game. Really fun to watch, I'm guessing. And uh, to see who really who takes the lead in that series. Uh, the other series, Texas and uh, the Yankees. Uh, that one's also tied at 1. Yankees won Game 1, 6-5. And the Rays bounced back 7-2. Game 1 was unbelievable. The Rays had a 5 nothing lead. And the Yankees just came back one inning, scored 6 runs. And really hurt uh, Texas here. I don't think Texas has the firepower that uh, they can keep up with the Yankees. But like I said earlier, if they can, you know, get to that bullpen, the bullpen's not great before Mariano Rivera, so this will be another good series. Uh, I'm gonna go this week to feedback, which once again solely comes from Nikujima. Thanks for continuing to write. Uh we seem to disagree on a lot of things, but makes it a little interesting. Let's see, what does he have to say this week? He says uh, uh, he mentions that I talked about the Everly goal last year, last week and says, I think you should have talked about the Oiler locker room. I have heard about this. They say uh, Hall is not a good teammate. And uh, there's been a lot of you know controversy of if they really get a lot, if uh, Hall is really accepted in that locker room. Uh, he, well, he did, uh, Sean Horkoff, the captain, did come out saying that Hall, you know, was taking too long of shifts and criticizing him a little bit like that. But, um, you know, it's a hard... Something I don't know a ton about, you know, it's hard to say when you're not really in there. But it is odd to see these stories out there that they're really not getting along with Taylor Hall. Who, you know, he's a young kid. He'll learn how to be a professional. So... You know, I don't think you have to be worried about Taylor Hall, and I think he's up there. They'll groom him. I'm sure he's, you know, spending a lot of time with the veterans, and he will become, you know, more of a professional guy. But for now, Edmonton keeps winning, so I don't think fans are going to worry too much. Um, I also mentioned last week that we were in one of the best times to watch sports, and uh, Nick says the best time of the year to watch sports is the month of March. Even if you're not a fan of the sport of basketball, the NCAA Final Four is an incredible tournament to watch and overrides anything that happens in October. It goes on to say why it's so good. I, you know, I can't disagree. March Madness is a great time. It's also getting into NHL playoffs, the stretch run. March is a great time. I love watching uh, sports in March, you know. It's another great time for sports. Um, and his last... Uh, point here is that the Argo fans are terrible, CFL fans are terrible, whoever's cheering for someone in this league sucks, so boring. I disagree. Fair enough. Uh, he also mentions that a no-hitter is the worst thing to watch in sports, uh, although he concedes that it's an incredible feat, but there's nothing less exciting. Totally disagree. Uh, if anyone was watching that game last week, this was one of the most exciting things I've seen in baseball for a long time. It was a great game. It was fun to watch. So, you know, I disagree. Uh, he mentions Favre, which I answered. And that is about it for feedback. Uh, uh, the Monday night game this week is Tennessee at Jacksonville for the NFL. Uh, I was wrong last week. I went to 2-4. and four. I will take Tennessee this week. And uh, hopefully inch towards 500 again. 
Tennessee is just a great defense. They have pretty good offense. I can't see Jacksonville coming out and stopping them. So take them. Um, that's about all I got for you this week. Uh, don't forget to listen next week. We have uh, we'll have a complete UFC 121 rundown with Brock Lesnar versus Kane Velasquez, as well as run down the CFL, NFL, and NHL weeks. Any good stories? And again, we'll inch a little bit closer to determining the World Series participants by next week. We could be close. So yeah, that's all I gotta say. Uh, don't forget to join the Facebook group. Uh, the Totally Random Sports Show. Looks up on Facebook, like the link. Uh, I'd appreciate that. Also, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, OilCan10. Uh, post a bunch of stuff during the week. Sometimes, you know, whatever news and stuff I can find. And I'll also post the shows on there. And besides that, that's all I really got for you. Send your feedback. Getting tired of just Nick as much as I enjoy it. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, send your feedback, feedback. Let us know what you think. You can post that on the Facebook wall or on my Twitter or send me an email, whatever works. Thanks for listening. Join us again next week.